As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The culture is the culture. It's four to six A to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. The plan to win uh, has never changed. So, the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. Welcome back to 4 to 6 with A&B, your Ohio State podcast brought to you by The Athletic. This is Bill Landis, joined by my main man, best friend of the whole wide world, Ari Wasserman. Ari, how are you? Missed you at the bachelor party, bud. Yeah, it was a good time. I'm washed, bud. <laughs> I'm washed. I had like four beers watching college basketball last weekend, and I was like, I'm ready for a nap. So I don't, I don't think I can I, handle uh, Vegas. You remember back when we were young bucks covering Ohio State together in 25, I'd go to Vegas and have these bender weekends. Where you just like go from Thursday till Sunday drinking um, nonstop and going to dinner, staying out till five in the morning, sleeping for four hours. And that's like we went to the Circa Pool, this outdoor sports book, and like we had a dinner reservation at 930. We left the sports the sports book after drinking from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. in the sun. Great day, by the way. Stadium swim, highly recommended. None yeah. of us made it to dinner. Like oh, it's like man, one day sad. and it's just like you're done. It's like I guess that's what being in your mid thirties is all about now. But it was a super good time, and I highly recommend going to that sports book. It was awesome. I've and like I've, we, yeah, I've always wanted to go there. Or long I scheduled. I was an idiot, and I scheduled the bachelor party like a month and a half before March Madness, thinking, "Let's go during the Elite Eight. You know, we're gonna have a cabana. We'll go from eight a.m. to four p.m. We'll watch some Elite Eight basketball. The games didn't start till like five. So like <laughs> we were gambling on the women's tournament, hockey weird NBA games, but it was a blast. And honestly, the women's tournament was awesome to watch when you got some jack on it. 
Some of those games are really good. That UConn I, I, yeah, NC that State UCon- game was great. I was on UConn in that game, and I watched it, and I was like, holy shit, what a shot. Because it didn't even look like she got it off. Like, I mean, it, like, it looked like she was, anybody who saw the shot, it was almost discombobulated. And when that thing splashed, I was like, holy crap, that was a shot. Uh, yeah. Very impressed. Um, but, yeah, super good time. I missed you. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you, hopefully, in a month. Yeah, and I'll be there. I'll be there. You get married, right? Yeah, yeah, I'll be there. We got a, we got a whole night, we got a whole nice uh, little like vacation plan before it. Looking forward to it. Yeah, and after too, we got a little uh, a little date in Phoenix. That's right. That's right. We're gonna take the whole. Uh, I'm spending athletic. my honeymoon with Bill. And the rest and the rest of the athletic college football staff, but eh, just you. Yeah, we'll uh, go get some Spinato's pizza, maybe a little Chompy's Deli. Yeah, maybe float in the pool in the backyard. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll uh, we're all having a good time. Yeah, it's great. Speaking of having a good time. Uh, I had a great time at the Ohio State football uh, spring football press conference on on Tuesday because I'm a nerd. We talked with uh, Ryan Day, Jim Knowles, Kevin Wilson, and I don't know, Ari, you're not you're not like on the beat doing the day to day anymore. But when you were, I don't I don't know if you appreciate it these days. But it was like a hardcore. We're just going to dump a bunch of football knowledge and like information about like who's playing where and just like this team in general on you for 90 minutes and i just like bathed in it it was great i don't know if you remember the dynamic when you me and doug were working together but those were definitely bill and doug days yeah 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 those are like so where's the jack linebacker gonna line up and who's playing in the in the slot this year and and like doug would ask like 19 follow-ups on an alignment question and like those days were were I saw he tweeted, Doug did the other day, that after the press conference was over, he goes, okay, I'm ready for a nine-hour podcast. It's like, oh, boy. <laughs> and, I, and the second I saw that tweet, I knew what today was going to be. So, um, you know, we got some tight end movement. We've got some some defensive uh, defensive insight. I mean, I don't know. Like, we're, like you, you drive the bus, bud. I'm, I'm just – this is your world, and, you know, I'll do my best to, to add. But, you know. Yeah, after the, after the press conference ended uh, – Doug and I basically had our own podcast in the team room. We just stood there and chatted for like 35 minutes about all the stuff we learned or well, some of the stuff we learned. So yeah, no, we're on, we're on the same wavelength there. Um, I think, I don't know, like Kate Stover, I guess we'll start with Kate Stover. Tight end is at the sexiest position, but it's probably the biggest news, like hard news of the day. Um, Kate Stover, who was a tight end for the last two years, Played linebacker in the Rose Bowl, opened spring as a linebacker, and spent like the first three practices there. Probably uh, is now back at tight end. We went out there to watch the first, you know, twenty five minutes of practice on Tuesday, and the guy who had been out there in a white number sixteen jersey with the defense was now in a red number eight jersey at the front of the line with the tight ends, which was like not shocking, but like I, it almost made me feel a little bad for Kate Stover. It's like can we just put this guy in one position and let him play football? Like. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know if anyone's doing him any favors by moving him back and forth between sides of the ball for four years. Yeah, I mean, what does that even mean most of the time when they do that for a player? It usually means they don't know where to put him, and that's a bad sign for him. So I don't know what, you know, like how many times has a player gone back to the original position? Also, well, it's not even his original position because he started on defense when he first got here. He was on defense. Yeah, defense. What is so? It went defense, tight end, defense? He was, no, he was tight end, defense, tight end. He was like linebacker. Defensive end, linebacker, tight end, linebacker, tight end. I think is I think is the progression. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know other players in Ohio State history that have had similar career arcs, but it doesn't seem like it seems like 
We were trying to talk about me, that. But yeah. it, if it have a hard time believing that he's going to be a major contributor at the position that he's at, if they can't decide where he's going to play. Oh, I. Well, I actually, he's I th- he's their number one tight end now. I think. So, like, I don't. I think you're right that in the past that has not typically been a good. I'm not saying he's not going to play, but like. Well, it's a tight end in Ohio State's it, offense, so like what? Yeah, what, but if you have role? a badass tight end that's like Jeremy Rucker, like there's no thought about moving him. That's what I'm saying. It just it seems like odd to me. And I'm not a coach. I don't work there. I don't know. But it's like if you ever could consider that a person would leave a position, then to me that's a message that they're not dynamic enough to make it a no-brainer. Yeah, that's uh, – like on, I, I think I agree with you. On, on one hand, it's like the, the the thing they said all along was like, well, it's up to him. It's the same thing with Steel Chamber. Just like he moved from running back to linebacker because he wanted to make that decision. It's like, okay, if you're going to empower the player that way, I, I, I guess I can get behind that. But – the way they talk about Kate Stover's ceiling at tight end relative to how they talked about him on defense, like, well, why did you ever let him leave offense in the first place then? Like, the, especially in a defense where you only play two linebackers, and at least a month ago, we thought there were going to be like a dozen linebackers in that room. There's fewer now because Kate Stover's back at tight end and Mitchell Melton is with the defensive line, um, but there's still nine guys there for two spots. So it's like, why would you take take a guy who you think is a really good tight end? away from a position that has like nothing in the way of returning experience and then put him in a position that has a million bodies for two spots. Like it never, it never made sense to me. I think, I think this is actually probably better. And if Kate ever wants to be on the field, this is better for him. But like the road that we took to get here never really made much sense to me. And the thing that I always wonder too, Bill, is that how many practices did he practice something that he doesn't need anymore? It's like how many times did he go through drills that he could have gone through tight end drills and been more refined in his position going into the year. Now, if you're playing at Ohio State, that probably means that you're a super good athlete and that you're able to catch on and do things athletically that most other places uh, uh, can't offer in terms of talent. But, like, it just – the switching positions to me has always been a, oh, no, this isn't – like, who was the best player that you can remember who switched positions and then was awesome at the new one? Well, Sam Hubbard moved around a lot, but he always Billy stayed on Price? defense. Like Billy Price moved from Billy defense Price, to offense. Defense to offense. They're, the line the line is where it's happened. Billy Price is probably the best one, at least in my time covering the team. Daryl Baldwin was offense to defense, and um, so was uh, – shoot, who was the right tackle in 2015? Um, Wasn't it Matthew Baldwin? No, Matthew Baldwin was the quarterback from Texas, so we went to have – Matthew uh, Baldwin was also, I think, uh, one of the West Memphis three. Really? So that, that uh, one of them was Baldwin, Jason Baldwin. Sorry, I was listening to a, a podcast about murder. I need. To, I uh, can't. I can't remember this guy's name. He was an offensive lineman. He was very good. I know people are probably shouting it. I know exactly. Yeah. Wait, wait. What high school did he go to? I know who you're talking about. Uh, Chase Ferris. Oh, Chase Ferris. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. yeah. I goodness. had his face in my head. Too. <laughs> so do I. Yeah, so do I. Yeah. Chase Ferris was a defensive line to, to offensive line switch, and he started on. on but offense. even that's more reasonable. I mean, line to line. I know it's a little bit different, but like you're in the trenches, you're in the trenches, I guess. But I don't know. Yeah. And I think like I'm trying to like Demario McCall like very much got lost in the sauce between offense and defense. That was just kind of like just. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like both sides of the ball, obviously. Like they've there's got like Chris Gamble was a star on both sides of the ball. That's not really what we're talking about. Um, it's like they can't figure out what to do with you, and the result is like you never really get to do anything. Um, I don't. I don't think that's the position that Kate Stover is in because they don't. Unless like G Scott's going to become awesome, which I guess is possible. 
Um, I think Kate Stover is like pretty comfortably the number one tight end right now, but it was just like, what, like again, why, why did we have to go through the song and dance to get to this point? Like you're right. Like Kate Stover, Kate Stover moved the defense last year because they were shorthanded at the bowl game. Played okay in the Rose Bowl, and people like were, were really high on him. I, th- I think like you know, tale, tales of how impactful he was as a defensive player were a little over exaggerated. But he was flying around, he was screaming and yelling like I get it. He was fun to watch, even if he wasn't always in the right spot. Um, but I think the team like very clearly needed him more at tight end. So yeah, why why did you even? Well, let, I mean, there's there's certainly a, a a cleaner path to the field there and like honestly it's like kind of like a starter list position so if you're able to move into a a position where you're going to be the number one at any position it makes sense but it makes me wonder about Kate Stover and makes me wonder about the entire depth of the position as a whole I am uh I am working on a story that will probably run next week at this point uh about Ohio State not needing to play with the tight end (laughs) I've been like asking Kate Ryan Day and Kevin Wilson questions about it um because I don't, what, I don't is it a way to get more wideouts onto the field. Yeah, it's like I don't I, like I don't think you need to eliminate the position entirely, but it's like when you have as many wideouts and as many running backs as Ohio State has now and has had in the past, why do you always need to have a tight end on the field? And like, how much do you believe that Ohio State's like? I remember back in the day when Urban Meyer first took the job, the main focal point of Ohio State's offense was a shift, right? Because like going from Trestle and Fickle to Urban was like a huge, like philosophical shift, right? Yeah, and I remember Urban always. Always, in every press conference, when anybody asked about the spread or offensive philosophy that he still always maintained, that Ohio State was a run-first, power-running team. And Ohio State, to this, to the same kind of you know degree as, as kind of like with J.K. Dobbins and Carlos Hyde and the guys in between, Mike Weber and now Trey Henderson, I mean, they've always had a really good running back. But, like, how much would you say, like, how would you describe Ohio State's current offensive philosophy now? Like, are they still a run-first power running team? Or last year, were they more of a passing finesse team? And, like, do you think that that is a a hallmark of what they want to do? Or is that based on personnel that they might have had? Like, yeah, it's it's like on question. one hand, they had Chris Olave and, and Garrett Wilson. But it's like they also had Trey freaking Henderson. So, like, I don't know. Like, last year, it seemed to me that they got away from pounding the ball down people's throats a little bit more than they had in the past. Yeah, I think, I think that's right. Uh, it's... Honestly, it's a little hard for me to say like what exactly they want their identity to be. And maybe the identity is that they just play to the strengths of what they have because like 2018, they were not a very physical running team. 2019, they were like, other than the service academies, they were the best rushing team in the country. Um, and they still had all those really good receivers, but it was like J.K. Dobbins was a dude. The offensive line was really good. Luke Farrell, a tight end, was really good um, as a blocker. He played a lot of 12 personnel. Um and Justin Fields could run. So like that was that was in my estimation like a pretty physical team. I thought like that's the first thing I thought about them, but then that is not really what I thought about them in 2020 um, and certainly not what I thought about them last year. Um I think they would like to maintain an air of physicality while being a team that probably throws the ball a little more than it runs it. Um but I also that part of the thing I'm looking into and I don't have great information. I had Jason Starr at one of our editors pull it and I haven't really dived into it yet. Um is like you can still be a physical, productive running team without a tight end, but I think my research probably lead me to the fact that the teams that accomplish that do so because they have a quarterback who runs the ball a lot. So, well, that's Ohio, what I was Ohio just going to say. Like that. Ohio State had four years basically at JT Barrett, mm-hmm. and I think that that is, I mean, more than half of the entire Urban Meyer era. So, right. like when you look at what they wanted to do offensively during those times, running the quarterback into the teeth of the defense was a main, you know, focal point 
right now. So, like, you know, Haskins, they got away from it a little bit, but, you know, they still ran the ball with the running back a ton that year. And, like, the last two years, they just don't run with the quarterback. Like, C.J. Stroud is the worst running quarterback they've ever had. Well, I think think it's Dwayne. I think he's better. Oh, Dwayne. You're right. Yeah, Yeah. Dwayne is worse. Yeah, my bad. I remember people used to say that – they used to say the same thing about Dwayne that they're saying about C.J. now, which is he's afraid to run. And I'm interested to see that play out because I'm I'm curious how much of that was the shoulder last year and if he'll run any more this year. Like, he's still not going to be a guy who carries it ten times a game, but – even if he carries it two times a game, that's more than he carried. I mean, I just year. like look at when I watch CJ Stroud, I, he looks like somebody who can run it and, and put his shoulder down and get a few extra yards. Dwayne Haskins like seemed physically incapable of that. Yeah, I don't think I don't think Dwayne had like the the I don't know like twitchiness and not this like I don't think CJ. Yeah, super, CJ's just super, a better athlete, right? Yeah, I think CJ's the, just a better, a better, yeah, a better athlete. Yeah, he was a really good basketball player too. Who's who has a better arm? Uh, I think CJ has the better arm. I think Dwayne can prob- probably has the stronger arm, but I like in terms of like accuracy and yeah. stuff like that. I, I think I like CJ more. That's crazy. Well, yeah, if he's a better runner and a better thrower than Dwayne, then they should have something there. You know? Yeah, I think he'll be all right. I think he'll be pretty good. He'll probably be the first pick in the draft. Uh, Do you think he will be next year? If I had to say right now who I think is going to be the first pick in the draft, I would say CJ Stroud. Because it's going to be a quarterback. The quarterback class will be good enough that it'll be a quarterback next year. And I think that CJ will ultimately ultimately be viewed as a better pro prospect than Bryce Young. I don't know if I told you this, but you know those pro set boxes that you could buy in cards? Sorry, we're back in cards for a second. Yeah. I hit a CJ Stroud Redemption uh, RPA. That could be worth something. So if he's the first pick in the draft, maybe it would be. Not a, not a, bad, not a bad hold there. Yeah, you just need him to sign it. Uh, well, me, he's doing interviews next week. I'll be like, hey, man, when are you going to sign those cards? I, I'm still waiting for you to write a story about it. I think that it would be incredible. I don't know how you would. I don't know who you would talk to. But if you pulled him aside and you said, hey, what's it been like signing memorabilia or you know the deal and how much did you, they pay you and what's it like, I, I, I would read the hell out of that story because I have yeah. no idea. Like I've got no concept whatsoever of how much he gets paid for that. Neither it could be 1000 bucks or it could be forty grand. I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it could be. Maybe I'll ask him about it when we talk to him next week. I talk not to in front of other people. No, no, no. I wouldn't. I don't. I don't ever ask good questions in front of other people. Good. Well, yeah. unless it's like Ryan Day, but yeah. players, players, I try not to. I had a really good conversation with JT Tuimolowell last week, like a one-on-one for like five, six minutes. Um, but I thought it was pretty good. And I'll, I'm gonna like I want to write like a feature about him later on. It might even be after the spring at this point. But um, I enjoyed it. He's a nice guy. Pretty thoughtful kid. Um, Thank you, Bill. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. 
Priceline. Let's move off tight ends. But please read my story next week about uh, how Ohio State should deploy. Kate Stover is going to be great, but I'm writing a story about how they should eliminate his position. Yeah, it's not that. It's yeah. I felt bad asking the question to Kevin Wilson on Tuesday because uh, I didn't want the implication to be like your job as a position coach doesn't matter because you don't need this position. I yeah, think they, I think they need it, but they could also play that they play they play for the rate at which they deploy four wide receivers with the talent they've had like doesn't equate like you should get those guys on the field more in my opinion. But I'm just a man. It looks watching football. Uh, we've talked quite a bit, I think, about the uh, Leo position in Jim Knowles' defense. Um, he told us on Tuesday basically to stop calling it that. They're going to call it the Jack for now because, uh, quote, the Leo is the king of the jungle, and I guess you have to earn that. Um, oh, my God. Yeah, which was like, uh, you know, kind of like a big dumb football guy thing to say, but I think I think uh, Jim Knowles is entitled to, to – be that every once in a while if he wants so to. So it's Jack now instead of what? Instead of Leo. At Oklahoma State, it was the Leo. And, and from the way he described it, it's like you you start off as the Jack, and then when you can do everything that the Jack, that is required of the Jack, you become the Leo. So is it? do they still have a bullet? <laughs> no. The bullet is now the bandit. The bandit. Yeah. Yeah. There's Buddy, only- I'm, I'm not even in the, learning this defense, and I'm already confused. I hope we don't have a Greg Schiano scenario here. Okay, so there's a here. The, there's the there's the Jack that will eventually. It's like a Pokemon. It'll it'll evolve. Into yeah, the when Leo. they evolve, like it's going to be a Bandit and a Leo. And also, the free safety is called the Adjuster. Was he an insurance salesman? <laughs> yeah, I don't. I wasn't a huge. I wasn't a huge fan of that name. It was like that's not he, even catchy. Like I know. Bandit sounds cool. Like Adjuster, I like Bandit. Well, I think of Ruben Pfeffer when I hear that. <laughs> <laughs> risk, risk assessment, assessment analysis, analysis. <laughs> <laughs> um he didn't call them that at oklahoma state at oklahoma state his safety positions were called uh the bandit the strike and there was another one i can't remember what the other one was but now it's like bandit adjuster and he just calls the slot guy the nickel now which is like what everybody calls it so the name the names aren't as cool i feel like a nickel got kind of screwed in the in the yeah i think he'd come up with something yeah what about dimes or something or is that just too confusing to call it the pfeffer yeah that's what i call it when that five cents what's a good thing five cent five cent the lincoln the Lincoln. Yeah, that would see. Now you're getting somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Lincoln's not on the nickel, is he? No, Lincoln. Who's, on the, on, the, who, who's on the nickel? Jefferson. Who, who is on, is on the, nickel? the nickel coin? Thomas Jefferson. Yeah, and the Tommy J. Tommy J. The TJ. The Tommy. Yeah, the and Tommy. Then you got some. Uh, you got some Columbus connections there too. The Tommy. There you go. Tommy Speeds. Um, yeah, that's, that's an ideal. Wait, that's gold. All I heard was one continuous word that you kept saying throughout that entire description of the positions, and all I heard was grab ass. <laughs> grab ass, grab ass, grab ass, grab ass. Um, Jim Knowles did – here's the thing about the Leo position. I think we're giving it a lot of oxygen at the moment, and I'm still like kind of curious to see how much they actually end up using it. Um, but they are they are installing it, and it's – for people who don't know, it's the hybrid like kind of defensive end linebacker – Jim Knowles moves him around, put him in the A-gap, he'll stack him in like a 3-3, he'll play him off the edge, stand him up, put a hand in, like he does a bunch of different stuff with him. Um, and it's been a very productive position in his defense. And when he got hired, everyone's like, who's going to play that spot? And I think we all had assumptions. I think even when he got hired, we talked about it, right? Um, and I think we both talked about Jack Sawyer, and that was the first name that Jim Knowles said on Tuesday was Jack Sawyer. Jack Jack is playing the Jack, or getting, getting, getting a look at the Jack, I guess is probably a better way to describe it. Um which could be interesting, right? Like, 
Jack Jack Sawyer in like the featured position in Jim Knowles' defense? Want to talk about a guy who that's could break you, out? That's that's, uh, that's the how you draw it up, isn't it? Yeah, you wet my beak so. on that one. <laughs> so I don't know. Like, there's he said a lot of names. It's like he said Jack Sawyer. He said Mitchell Melton, who I have become a little more interested in sort of like every time we talk to people because his name just always seems to come up, and oftentimes it's unprompted. Um, Javante Jean-Baptiste was uh, one of the guys mentioned, although I guess he's coming off an injury, and Jim Knowles said he was doing more like a walkthrough kind of deal at that position when they were installing it. Caden Curry, which is another interesting one, I thought. Um, and then uh, Pallier No Teote, who... I remember when he first came over, I was talking with Antonio Morales, our USC writer, and like the thing he mentioned the most was like he's a pretty underrated pass rusher for a linebacker. So I guess that makes sense. He's not necessarily the guy I would have thought there. One name he didn't say was Zach Harrison. Um, now, the next time we talk to him, he could say Zach Harrison's name. I don't want to read too much into that, but I, I thought it was kind of interesting that he was not mentioned there. But Jack Sawyer, Jack is the Jack. Is something I think I think I can get behind, and you can get behind, because we, we want to see like you want to see that you know the guy who was like the five star dude in Ohio State's recruiting class like be in a position where he is like the featured man in Ohio State's defense, right? Yeah, and the athleticism is there, right? I think so. Like I, the thing I wonder, like Jack is he showed up here? I think he was like two hundred and thirty pounds, and now he's like two sixty. And he's like he's noticeably bigger. Man, he was jacked in high school too. So I, yeah, I mean that's that's a pretty big. I just adjuster. <laughs> I don't know. Like that position has had many different kind of body types play it over over Jim Knowles' career. So like you don't you don't have to look a certain way to play it, but you have to be able you have to maintain an ability to move quickly in short spaces, which is like the thing he always says, and it's like. I don't. I don't think Jack Sawyer has lost any of that. I think he put on that weight because there was a thought that he needed to get stronger. Um, but I wonder a little bit if he like sacrificed any of that in in bulking up so much so quickly. So I'm just kind of curious to see how that plays out. I think like Mitchell Melton is like a little smaller than that, or built a little bit differently, maybe. Um, and he's like a linebacker by trade who has some pass rush skills. So that that move also makes sense to me. Um, so I don't know. I, I I think mostly I'm 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 mostly wondering how much they're going to use it. It's fun to like get the names of who could potentially play it, but I don't know. Like it's not it's not like an every down thing for Jim Knowles. Like, and I I guess you can still call it the Jack even when the guy is just standing up on the edge like a regular defensive end. But in terms of like moving, like truly moving that guy around, putting him in, in different gaps, putting him on the interior, playing him from depth, all that stuff, like I don't, I don't know how much that's going to be part of the deal because I put part of it feels like that was an equalizer for Jim Knowles when he was working with lesser talent, and now he's got like much better athletes at his disposal, like to the point where Doug asked him, like if you had Chase Young, Nick Bosa, Joey Bosa, would you play those guys in that position? And he said no, because those guys are too good at pass rushers. Like why would you take them away from that? So. If it gets to the point where they just think like, you know what, Jack Sawyer is just a monster of a defensive end, we're just going to play him like that. I, th- I think that which, could be on the table. Which too. is what the thing that I was thinking the entire time you were doing that was, is the fact that he's a good person for this position an indication that he's not Joey Bosa in the making, because that's what he's supposed to be, right? And I was, just, I thought to myself like, I guess you want the five star stud from Columbus as the featured player on your defense whenever they're running this jet package or whatever it's called, 
But at the same time, too, it's like I think Ohio State's in better hands if he's just rushing and wreaking shit in the backfield. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's just like all these extra responsibilities, too, that come with that position, too. I wonder sometimes about what that means for the development of a young player who, by and large, has the the nag on him last year was that he wasn't strong and powerful enough to get through through offensive lines and had the motor to maintain that that level of play for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. And they're throwing a textbook at the guy, and it's just like, okay, go do this now. And it's just like, let the guy rush and, and just blow up other teams. And it's like, is there nobody else on the defense that is similarly built that can move well? Because it's like, isn't that all – like, isn't that description for every single player that plays Ohio State's defense? Yeah, you would think so. And I, I will say, I don't – it doesn't sound like it's a terribly complicated position. I, I think, like, the way I've heard it described by Jim Knowles, like, watching, like, clinics or um, a podcast that he was on a couple years ago talking about it, it was like he, he more or less, like, runs plays for that position – and you really only have one job. He like essentially tells you what to do on every play. It's not like you're you're not like reading things out and reacting to it. You're just like do this, and you go do it. So I don't I don't think it's a, a bunch to handle from like a mental capacity. But I also think like if if Jack Sawyer does become the kind of stud pass rusher that we've seen Ohio State have in the past, like, Joey that, Nick were their freshman year. Yeah, is that and maybe maybe that he wasn't that last year is confirmation that he's not going to quite be that. But if he is going to be that, is would this be the best use of his talents? Like, I, I don't know. So who is – it's like JT going to be that player then? Like who is that player for them then? Because it's not Harrison. Yeah, I think it could be JT. I think uh, – they might, Maybe they don't have one? I think, they, I think they might have one in JT. Just like a guy that you just like you can't block one-on-one. Like I think it could be JT. Um, yeah, if it was anybody, that'd be my pick. Anyway, at least because um, if you would have asked me that question before both of them enrolled in college, the answer would have been Sawyer. Well, JT was—I mean, they were—I think they were like four and five, but like, wasn't JT ahead of him? Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. J- I, I just like Jack Sawyer's like, fit, I've, and I've never seen JT Tui Malau in person, so you know he's big—he's big as shit. But like, it, like Jack Sawyer's body was like Nick Bosa's. Yeah, JT is bigger than all those guys. Or, or, well, maybe not Chase Young. Chase Young was like, you kind of marveled at how big he I was. I said humans. Yeah, Chase Young was, was a monster. But JT is six, what, six five, mm-hmm. maybe even approaching six six, two hundred. 200. Like, I'm, I'll put it this way. Like, I'm tree, a tree trunk legs. I'm a pretty big dude. And like, I was standing next, like, and granted, like, I'm not, I'm not an athlete. I'm not in shape. I'm just a large person. Um, standing next to JT, I was like, this kid's big as shit. <laughs> and yeah. I don't like, I don't know if I, if I feel that standing next to Jack, even like Jack is, is a well put together athlete himself and certainly a big dude. Um, like JT showed up like that. <laughs> and Jack, Jack had to work like an off season to put on 40 pounds to, to become a guy that looked like that. Um, so I don't know. I could, I, I think that position has been very productive in Jim Knowles' defense. So like if, if Jack Sawyer is playing it and playing it regularly, I think that could be good for him from from a production standpoint for sure. I just I'm wondering like does it make the most sense for this particular group of players with this defense with the competition are going to play like do you how cute do you have to get with it or can you just kind of play it straight up with your front be more aggressive like blitz more do all that stuff which I think Jim Knowles will do but like moving that player around the way he's moved it around in the past I don't I'm not 100 percent sure if I if it's going to be necessary for Ohio State so, because of so, the talent he has. So moving forward on the podcast, can I just like 
talk about things that stood out to me from mm-hmm. what I saw. Yeah. And I think this is like something that probably should have been in the first 10 minutes of the podcast. But like Sonny Styles playing safety, surprised. No, no, uh, that's that, 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 I mean, that's. that always the plan? Yeah, that's what I always assumed. I, I guess he could grow into a linebacker, but I always assumed he was going to get his first shot at safety. Okay. I, I always assumed that he was going to be like the savior at linebacker. No, I think. Uh, and I know there's some hybrid positions between those two, so maybe maybe that's part of it. But I just think he's. Is he just not big enough? No. Uh, well, I don't know what he is at weight wise right now, but like just like an, he is a rare, rare kind of athlete. So like the idea of like, oh, let's just stick him in the box and make him a linebacker. It's like, no, I don't. Yeah, you put that guy in a, put that guy in a position where he has the most space available to him and let him wreck another team's night. You know what I mean? Like I don't. Maybe at some point he'll just get too big and he'll have to play linebacker, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think he's going to be like 6'4", 220, 225, and just be like an absolute monster as a safety. So I don't – I think the question was posed that Jim Knowles was like, like Sonny's going to come play linebacker, and Jim Knowles was like, no, he's not. He's going to start at safety. Um, so maybe that was news to, uh, I don't know, Al Washington who maybe had visions of playing Sonny at linebacker before he won on the Notre Dame. But um, – Jim Knowles, who was the linebackers coach, wasn't like, you know, Sonny is my guy. He's like, no, that kid's, kid's going to play safety. So I wasn't surprised by that. Okay. What about uh, – so linebacker then is uh, a special little transfer from Arizona State. Are you turning any heads yet? Uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's certainly not from anything we've seen other than, like, he looks very – like, he's a big, big kid. Um, DeMonte Traiano, chip. Um, I, like, he doesn't strike me as a chip. I'm not gonna lie. It's Chip is uh yeah, he doesn't look like a chip. He looks like the kind of guy that if you called him Chip, he'd punch you in the face, but I think he prefer right. but I think he prefers Chip. Um Chip is like the, uh, is uh, Zach Galifianakis in uh in baskets. You ever watch that show? <laughs> no, I have not. Check it out. It's interesting. Um we've not I, I we've not seen enough of practice of like, oh yeah, man, that guy's really flashing, but when when you ask about him, people are like, oh yeah, it looks good. Like he looks like a natural over there. Everyone seems to be pleased with sort of how he's coming along. But I know when I did my depth chart project projection before spring ball, I was like, I think he's going to start next to Steel Chambers. And then when we like the only, honestly, the the most significant thing we've seen in practice and like the three or four times we've been in there was like one snap of inside run that I saw on Tuesday as we were being escorted out, and and the linebackers were Steel Chambers, Tommy Eichenberg, and Reed Carrico. Um, and not Demonte Trianum. So, um, I think I think Chip has as good a shot of anybody to start because it feels kind of wide open. But at the moment, it feels like the top two linebackers are Steele and Tommy Eichenberg. So where where do where do you think this leaves the linebackers? Like, do you think Carrico has a? No, I think Carrico is like. When I when I first saw it, I was like, "What the hell? like Reed Carrico's out there?" But then I re- like it was a it was a four three kind of deal, which actually kind of ties in nicely with the Kate Stover stuff. Like I think if Kate Stover had stayed on defense, he was going to be like a sub package Sam linebacker in a four three look when Ohio State played teams that had bigger offensive personnel like Wisconsin or Iowa, or maybe even Notre Dame, but not an all the time thing. And so Reed was kind of out there doing that stuff because Cade is now a tight end. Um, so I don't I don't think it means that like Reed Carrico is going to be playing thirty snaps at will linebacker a game next year. But I think when they go to that bigger look, he'll have a shot to be on the field in, in that role. But I think it's 
I think it's Steele. I think it's Tommy. CJ Hicks. Um, I don't know what Cody Simon's able to do right now. It feels like when we watch stuff, he's still like kind of on the side or not not involved a hundred percent. I feel like I'm forgetting somebody. Taraja Mitchell. I don't. He's like much more of like a throwback kind of like plugger linebacker to me, and I don't I don't know how that meshes with what Jim Knowles wants to do with his linebackers. Um, but I think like Steele and Tommy and um, Cody will all play kind of the roles we saw them play last year. And then CJ Hicks is a little bit of wild card and maybe gay powers too. It kind of seems like things are starting to come, to come together a little bit to me. Um, you know, and it's very early in spring, but like you kind of have a handle on who's going to be playing where. Yeah. I feel like I have that. Um, Oh, I've got, I've got another one for you. Yeah. And I, uh, I'm very curious about him and have been since he got here. Um, Legend Cavazos, is he – so he's playing nickel now? I, I guess so. We've only seen really individual drills, so when they do individual, he's still with the corners. And, like, Cam Martinez and Tanner McAllister, who are also nickels, are with the safeties. Um, but that Jim Knowles said that they're giving Legend to look at nickel. So I don't – I would assume that Tanner McAllister certainly and, and Cam Martinez are probably ahead of him there because – that's where they've played and legend is kind of like new to that. Um, but it could be a good spot for legend. I, I suppose like I don't at best, he's the third corner. Right. Um, and I guess at best he's the third nickel. Although I, I, guess, I don't know. Maybe he could really climb the depth chart in the spring and be like number two behind McAllister, but they're moving him around a little bit, which I don't, I was not on alert for, I guess coming into spring. I just figured he'd be a corner and stay there. Really good yeah. athlete, though, right? Yeah, well, I mean, that was the point, right? Yeah, I don't like. Well, he's big. He's 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 he might be their biggest corner now that Ryan Watts is gone. Um, and he's a really good athlete, so I don't know. Maybe that's a better spot for him. Yeah, is Cam Martinez starting to come out of his shell a little bit? The most underrated recruit of all time. <laughs> I don't know. I think I think I think anyone who's at nickels in a tough spot because of Tanner McAllister's experience and Jim Knowles' defense. And he lost his black stripe. And he did lose his black stripe. Like I don't I don't think like like he's not we're not talking about a guy who's gonna be like a first, second, or maybe even a third round pick in Tanner McAllister. I think he's like a solid college football player, but his experience with Knowles and his experience with that defense combined with, you know, reasonable talent level. I think it's going to make it hard for him to be unseated in that job. So, I, but then, and it then seems I, like such a weird dynamic for an Ohio State football player. Like I, I just like I'm trying to think back of like, you know, new coordinator guy comes with. I mean, it's a unique experience. I mean, situation. There's no question. But it's like not really top end talent. Uh, best asset is playing the most. Mm-hmm. Um, familiarity with the coach and the scheme. It's like I don't. No, there's been a lot of Ohio State football players that have won positions in the past on those accords. Hmm. Well, was that I'm like... I'm not saying it's not necessary because it's a whole new defense and a whole new scheme with new players and young players and new coaches. And, you know, maybe you just need like a, a, a older, experienced, familiar captain back there. But I'm just trying to think of like in the past... Was it the situation with Von Bell in 2013 when everyone wanted him to play and he wasn't getting on the I mean, field? Von Bell was a five-star prospect, though. I mean, that guy no, was I know, a yeah. And, and Cam Martinez is that. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know that. I mean, Von Bell should have played earlier. I think is what happened there. 
Mm-hmm. They played Pittsburgh Brown, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, God, it's been ten years since that now. But I think that's it, right. It's, yeah, it's not really the, the same Big situation. Ten championship game, and they he unseated him, and it had a major interception in the in the Orange Bowl that year. That made you be like, "Why the hell was this guy not playing?" Yeah, I don't but think like, we're I'm talking about a similar like, gap in talent here. Yeah, I mean, like, and I don't know. Again, I I don't know how talented Tanner McAllister is, but like, based on the descriptions that everybody continually gives of him, Bill, that's not necessarily what you hear when somebody wins a job at Ohio State. And I don't know if that's even mildly concerning to you. I'm always a little on alert for, like, when you ask, like, what stands out about this guy, and like the first few things they list like are not like actual football skill it's like intangible stuff like he's a great leader he's super experienced like he's really composed it's like and all that stuff's important like i'm not i'm not trying to diminish all that stuff it. is important in conjunction with talent right um which i i say that as like a little bit of a segue to court williams because i like i know he's a guy we've talked about a lot and a guy that i'm like obsessed still with. still okay. yeah obsessed with is probably the right way to say it i'm not the only one people on the beat love that guy um but it's still like every time you ask about court, the first thing that comes up is, man, what an incredible leader. And like last year, it was like, man, he worked so hard to get back after he, after he got hurt. Um, and again, all that's impressive and that is important. I'm not saying you don't need that. But when you like juxtapose like how he's described compared with like how Josh Proctor is described, it's like when Josh Proctor's healthy, I think they would prefer to play him ahead of Court Williams. And maybe that's reading far too much into. I mean, if you were a coach, words. who would you take? Ultra talented madman that can do things physically the other person can't do, or the calm, cool, collected leader who's been around a long time. Yeah, if I'm looking for a guy at safety, I think I'd still play Josh Proctor because I think Court Williams is a linebacker. Um, but maybe that's my personal preference. Yeah, the, the transfer portal is filled with a bunch of of experienced line uh, captains. Yeah, yeah. So I don't like. I'm not. And maybe, maybe that. I wonder means... if there will be a game in the fall where Tanner McAllister does something, and you're like, "Oh my God!" If somebody else is playing there, they might have gotten that. It's possible. Yeah, I don't. I don't think like. Uh, I'm trying to think of like who's played in that spot. Like I don't know. I thought late in the different defense, but like similar position. Like Lathan Ransom was very good in that role. I thought at the end of 2020. Um, didn't get to play it much last year. It's like Marcus Williamson played. Yeah. There's no question that he's going to be the starter, though, based on the circumstances of his arrival at Ohio State. Yeah, but it's like if I don't, and I don't know what Lathan Ransom situation is, but like Lathan Ransom gets healthy in like September and it's ready to play. Like then what happens? You know, like I don't. Maybe he's not. Maybe he's not that position in this defense. I have no idea. But like uh, Cam Martinez too is like another guy who's been like moved around a little bit. I feel like a lot of these guys on the back end have been have been moved around like to their own detriment, and it's not their fault. Ironically enough, so have the coaches. <laughs> yeah, right, and maybe yeah. that the two go together, right? But um, there's some moving pieces back there that need to get figured out. Um, the one thing that does feel fairly certain to me is that, like, Ronnie Hickman is going to be the free safety. Mm-hmm. Jim Knowles um, mentioned it again. This is the second time we talked to Jim Knowles. Both times he talked about all the things he likes about Ronnie playing free safety, which is, like, a different role than what he played last year. Um, so it's like if Ronnie Hickman is that guy who's like playing the middle, getting a defense set, kind of playing center field a little bit, Tanner McAllister or Cam Martinez is the nickel, and it's like that's that third safety spot, that bandit spot, which is like more of a strong safety, play down in the box kind of guy. Like at the moment, I think it's Court Williams, but when Josh Proctor is healthy, like I love Josh Proctor for that role. I thought Josh Proctor should have been the bullet when we were talking about that a couple of years ago. Um, and I thought the little bit we've seen of him – 
maybe like the I know like the Clemson game in 2019 wasn't his best game, but I still thought there were like flashes of him. Like, man, if he can like play downhill, he's super physical. I kind of like him doing that stuff. Um, so I don't know. I'm like Josh Proctor's a wild card because he's not healthy yet. So that he needs to get healthy before I guess we talk more about that in depth. But um, I think I came out of like the beginning of spring. Like here comes like the, the Court Williams train is like barreling down the tracks, and like I want to pull back off that a little bit. Because I think there's still because a lot he's too up good of a leader. Yeah. Because he's well, I just think there's I think there's a lot up in the air there. Um, and it's not that I don't think I've suddenly decided the court is not good. I actually I think court's a really good football player. Um, I just don't know what the best spot is for him just yet. Sounds like there's question marks at every level of the defense. Still, I'm surprised to hear this from two weeks into spring, but it it. Uh, I, I don't I, know I, that I, I feel particularly warm inside when I think about anybody on this defense really. I think there like are there's potential, like what there was last year too. So yeah, I think there, I think there are question marks, but I, not in a way that's like alarming to me. Um, and maybe it's maybe like Jim Knowles's just like vibe. I think his vibe instills a lot of confidence because he just comes across as a guy who's going to who's going to get this figured out and like put guys in the right spot and like teach them the right way and and have them playing confident and aggressively um, and fast. And if you can get that. And it's not always going to look perfect, but if you can get good athletes playing that way, I think you're going to have a pretty good defense. It's just a matter of figuring out, figuring out how, how all the pieces fit together. And this is the time of year you do that. Like, if we're sitting here, I don't know, if they play two games and we're still like, who are their best 11 players on defense, then that's a problem. Because um, I think we felt like we were having those conversations last year. But I don't I don't find it particularly alarming that we're having those conversations in the spring as the scheme is changing and there's, a, to, and there's yeah, entirely new defensive staff. Yeah. So. So on the Andy Staple show this week, we did this game where we um, picked the most important person for the 2022 season, player or coach, uh, at each top 25 program. I don't know if you listened to it. If you didn't, be better support. Um, I, I, I didn't know think, to it. I'm sorry. And we both got to Ohio State, and Jim Knowles was the unquestionable mm-hmm. answer for both of us. Yep. And I wanted to know what your take on that was. It's like, would you like, because CJ Stroud's in the discussion and Jackson Smith, the Jigba's in the discussion and other coaches are. And it's just like, we feel like if there was one person that is the most important for Ohio State success in 2022, player or coach, that Jim Knowles was the runaway answer for that one. What's your take? I agree 100%. Um, their, offen- their offense is going to be awesome. And like, there's a few different ways I think it could be awesome if you had to like switch some stuff around. But if, and it was awesome last year for the most part, they could have run the ball better, but if their defense does not take a step forward, then they're not going to win a national championship. They're not going to compete for a national championship, which is like, that is the deal here. So yeah, Jim Knowles, I, I think it's Jim Knowles by a mile. Um, and I think if you like ranked the people in college football who like have the most pressure on them to perform this year. I think Jim Knowles is pretty high up on that list. He doesn't seem to be overburdened by it. I think he understands it and almost embraces it, but I think it's it's the realization of the position he's in. He's expected to come in here and totally revamp a defense and do so immediately. Build a championship caliber defense, whatever that looks like. It doesn't yeah. look like George's last year, but it's got to be championship caliber. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's not the standard. Right. George's defense, that is. Yeah. Um what about offense? We want to go to the fun side of the ball now, or I, w- I will say, uh, well, there's two things on offense. I guess I wanted to mention. The first is that Jim Knowles compared CJ Stroud to Eli Manning, <laughs> so uh, just like 
keep filling up that balloon, I guess. Like the that thing is uh the the hype train is really rolling on CJ Stroud. And, is CJ Stroud the like Eli Manning, I think, is the most boring good player of all time. Yeah. It wasn't it wasn't talent. It was like Yeah, it's just like, yeah, he's just a Super Bowl winning quarterback. Yeah. No, no, no. The the comparison wasn't like they're the same style of player. It was like Jim Knowles was an old miss. Jim Knowles was at Ole Miss and, like, recalled, like, in practice when, like, he would basically, like, have a chess match with Eli Manning, like, trying to throw a defense at him that would confuse him. And Eli Manning, like, figured it out and picked it apart every time. And he said he gets similar vibes from C.J. Stroud. That's good. Yeah. I mean, I still want to see what Colin McCourt to do, but. I, yeah, I don't. We'll talk to quarterbacks next week, and, like, Kyle McCourt is a guy I'm most interested in. I know. Like, oh, for I, sure. Yeah, I'm not, like fanning the flames of quarterback controversy. He's just in a very interesting spot. Um it's like CJ Stroud's gonna be awesome. I don't know I don't know how many other ways I can write and say that CJ Stroud is awesome. I, I I'm excited to talk to Kyle McCord. And then I mean, just like watch CJ Stroud isn't be that awesome. Far away for when he'll be in the starting quarterback discussion again. So Yeah, it's like eight months. <laughs> eight, yeah, literally eight months from now. Yeah. So um but other people will be too at that point. So yeah, this is going to be a competition there with Devin Brown, for sure, by the, by the time yeah, and, so, and somebody asked me, like, how do you manage a uh, a quarterback room in 2022 with the transfer portals? It's like, I guess you just don't. It's like, is there any chance in your mind that Kyle McCord is not the on the team on, on opening day this year? This fall? Uh, I mean, I guess I would never say that it's impossible, but I would be pretty surprised if he wasn't. If you're him, though, why would you stay? To be the because being the number two at Ohio State is a better position than being the starter of a lot, at a lot of places. You think? Yeah, I mean, like I get it. Like you can play probably somewhere else. Uh, one is that team good? Two, where are you getting developed? Three, will you actually hurt yourself by playing quarterback for a bad team? Um, or you can be like a broken shoelace away from being the quarterback for the best offense in the country, while also learning from coaches that seem to develop quarterbacks pretty well. I feel like if C.J. Stroud broke a shoelace, he might be the starting quarterback like yeah. for a play. <laughs> <laughs> Several broken shoelaces, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I get your point. I just – I'm very curious to see how this all pans out. And there's been so much change in the Ohio State quarterback room over the course of the past 10 years. It's just like I'm almost anticipating he's leaving just because that would be par for the course the way things have gone here. I think that's a good. I think a good default is like never be surprised when someone leaves because that's just the nature of things now. Um, but all that said, I think I'd be surprised. I think I, if these three guys aren't on the roster for, in for camp, I would be pretty surprised by that. I think Devin Brown's probably a pretty interesting person to talk to during quarterback week too. Yeah, I wonder if they'll bring him out. Um, we talked to him when they early enrolled, and he like held court and he was he was feeling it, and it was it was I enjoyed talking with him. Um, but I don't think. But spring is about people who are probably going to be a factor on the team. So yeah, I just don't. I don't think like Devin Brown showed up and was like, "Holy shit, this kid might be the second best quarterback on the roster." Like I think he's got some growing to do, which is totally fine. Yeah, um, and he has and he has the the runway to do it. So Kyle McCord is like, I feel like Kyle McCord is like a he's a five star quarterback. <laughs> How many five star quarterbacks does Ohio State had? Even like the, like the CJ Stroud for as good as he is wasn't a, is a five star. Devin Brown's not close to it, but not like CJ, or Justin Fields was and like Braxton Miller was. And it's like Kyle McCord is rated similarly. Not Justin Fields is like number two and Kyle McCord was like in the 20s, but like he's a five star quarterback and everyone just like doesn't think about it much because CJ Stroud's so good. 
Today I was leaving a workout and Landis texted me, do you have a certain phone number? Oh, yeah. Dun, dun, dun. And I sent him the phone number, and I'm very curious as to why you might want that phone number. What phone number did you want and why? <laughs> uh, I wanted the phone number for <laughs> I wanted the phone number for Donovan Jackson's high school coach, um, which I thought I had, but I, I, it turns out I did not, so I'm glad that you had it. I have not talked to him yet. Um, but I want to write – we're talking about offensive linemen, talking to offensive linemen on Thursday, um, and then I want to write about Donovan Jackson, who – uh, I have a serious man crush on because I think he's awesome. I think he's going to be awesome. But the thing that kind of like spurred me along to write about him now, like I was going to eventually write about him, but I want to write about him kind of like as soon as possible, was like Kevin Wilson like casually dropping that Donovan Jackson could be like a future tackle. And by future tackle, I mean like he could be a starting tackle for Ohio State in 2023. Um, which like certainly, you know, you know me. I, got, I, I felt the tingle. Yeah. yeah. Ear, ears, ears shot up a little bit. Yeah. Um, so antennas. antennas, the antennas went up. Um, yeah. So I just want to like dive into that a little bit, like what Donovan Jackson's thinking about. Well, one about like being in a position to start, what that could mean for the offense, like actually playing guards at guard. Um, Rick Riker gave Trevion Henderson a car in case you're wondering. That guy's handing him out like candy. Um, this is just all on Twitter. But now I want to talk what kind about. What car was it? A lifted F one fifty that was nine hundred grand. No, it looks like. Uh, it's a red. Is that a Bentley? That's not an SUV. It says it's an SUV. That thing's too low to the ground to be an SUV. I'm trying to find the car. NIL management tweeted it out. And then, oh yeah, it's from four hours ago. It's a nice car. I think it, or maybe it's a Tesla? No. I can't tell. I can't really see the emblem. It's a Hyundai Genesis. Yeah, it's a it's a Dodge Caravan. It's got it's got the dual sliding doors in the roof rack though. So he's. I think it's a Hyundai Genesis. Is that really what it is? I can't see the emblem. I can't make it it's out. It's not but, a Tesla. But isn't that grill like the Bentley grill? It's not a Bentley. I don't know. Maybe I'll uh, shoot Rick Riker to DM. Figure out what kind of car that is. Do you think Rick Record's doing it to help Ohio State's football program, or do you think he's doing it because he's a big fan and wants probably to be all, probably all able the above. to hang out with the players sometimes? Oh, I don't know. Well, maybe that's part of it, but I think I think he's a guy who really likes the Bucks and wants wants to do what he can to help. That's with him. Like that's I think that's part of it. Like that's what these think, collectives and stuff are. I think that's a Hyundai Genesis. Is it a nice car? I think they are nice cars. Yeah. I drove a uh, Hyundai. That's not what I would spend my money on, but I get why people do. But I'm a snob. I don't think that's this car. Maybe the wings is. on the hood of that car are the Hyundai Genesis. I'm seeing it now, yeah. Okay. But there's Maybe a T what in it. What's a, what's a T? Maybe I'm it sorry, stands, this is terrible podcasting. Maybe it stands for Trevion. Or maybe it starts for Tint Lab, which is behind it. Maybe. Anyway, Donovan Jackson, tackle of the future. I'm all about it. Somebody asked Kevin Wilson, why, why, how do you determine who's on the left side and who's on the right side with the guards? Because Donovan Jackson's playing left and Matthew Jones is playing right. And he said, well, we figured we'd put Matt, or Donovan in the left-hand stance. That way, if he has to kick out the left tackle, that'll, be, that'll feel comfortable to him. And I was like, what? 
<laughs> You're like, what? <laughs> but it's like he's not a. We can have, we we spent a year talking about uh, tackles playing guard. Now we can spend another year talking about guards playing tackle. Have you ever watched the stand-up comedian Tom Segura? Mm-hmm. You remind me of him sometimes. Yeah, I like his vibe. Yeah, it's the same vibe. He'll be like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> I listen to his podcast sometimes with Burt Kreischer, the Two Bears One Cave. Yeah, I, yeah. I've never listened to the podcast, but his stand-up comedian or comedy is amazingly remarkable. Yeah, and I like him. He he goes, "What the fuck did you just say?" Like, and I just I kind of feel like that's like what you were what you were feeling there. I would have liked to see your facial expression. I did not yell that out during a press conference, but I certainly thought it in my head. No, you were like, what? There was another point in the press conference, too, where uh, Jim Knowles was asked about what he thinks of Columbus, because apparently that's a question that's worth someone's time. Um, And Jim Knowles said, look, oh, you know, I'm a city guy. I'm from Philly. And then, like, everyone in the room looked at me. And then after Jim Knowles left, they were all like, I can't believe you didn't say go birds after he said that. (laughs) Why didn't you say go birds? I said it in my head. I just didn't say that. It's funny because when you didn't know who Thomas Jefferson was, I Googled where he was born because I just assumed it would be Philadelphia, and it wasn't. Where was he born? Somewhere in England? Virginia. Oh, Mount Vernon? I don't know. Somewhere in Virginia. Thomas Jefferson uh, was an American statesman, diplomat, lawyer, architect. He was born. This is too much scrolling. Shadwell, Virginia, 1743. Great year. Okay, let's wrap up the podcast there. Uh, I have. I had plans for the next two shows that I didn't talk to you about. Let's hear about them. So we have two more before the spring game on April 16th. I think next week we do a mailbag because we haven't done one in a minute. So uh, if you have questions about Ohio State, spring ball, whatever, send them to the email 426AB, so 4TO6AB at gmail.com. Send the questions in. We'll do a mailbag show next week. And the week after that, which is the week leading up to the spring game, I thought an interesting way to kind of talk about the roster a little bit was for me and you to do a draft. Sure. Yeah. So that's the plan for the next two weeks. I wish Quinn Ewers was still on the roster. Listen, you can draft Quinn Ewers if you want can to. Can I still draft him? By the way, in, in that game that I played with Andy, the most important person in the program, Quinn Ewers is my answer for Texas. I don't know if you knew that. Of course it is. Yeah. Has to yeah. be. Or whoever runs that Longhorn collective that's giving guys like 50 grand to uh, take a dump at a Love's gas station or something, whatever they're doing. I don't know. <laughs> anyway all right thank you guys for listening to four to six with a and b leave a five-star review we appreciate it uh subscribe to the athletic theathletic.com slash four dash six we'll talk to you guys next week